Welcome to another week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, a band, singer, performer, all that good stuff. And this week we are talking about Madonna, the singer Madonna, performer Madonna. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Regrettably Tyler. All right, Regrettably Tyler, let's get on to it. How do you feel about Madonna this week? Please speak now. Is that me? me? I get to talk first this time? Yeah, I mean, you you've, you seem to have uh, an opinion you'd like to share, so please Okay, share. Madonna, you know, let, let me be real with you. I never really listened to Madonna very much. Mm-hmm. Because I was never a big fan of 80s pop music. Sure. So it never really led me there. I mean, I listened to Michael Jackson a little bit, but that was mostly because of uh, I like Motown, you know, so things led me into that a little bit. But um, honestly, I'll tell you what, still still not a fan. Just don't really like Madonna's music that awful much. Not a big fan of it. I think, and this may be controversial, but I think later Madonna, greater than early Madonna for me. When you say, uh, even though I really only like one album, and it is a later album, but when you say later, do you just mean post eighties? No, I mean like late nineties. Okay. Like Ray of Light is the only album I really liked at all. I f- I figured that you would like Ray of Light. I figured there was probably uh, truly no doubt that you would like Ray of Light. But outside of that, I was unsure. How you would feel, but Jared, why don't you tell us how you felt about? I Madonna. am the opposite. You didn't like any of the late stuff. I didn't, like the it's not stuff. that I didn't like any of it, mm-hmm. but I prefer the '80s stuff to the, uh, you know, the the hit machine Madonna. All the bops came out at that time. A lot of bops, and uh, I like Ray of Light as well. I like a little bit of stuff from uh, the last album we listened to, Confessions on the Dance Floor. Mm-hmm. I like some things from that. Uh, but the middle of what we listened to, uh, basically before Ray of Light and up to the 80s stuff, I did not like one bit. You're referring to erotica? Yep. And you are Ugh. referring to bedtime stories. Both terrible. I That makes sense. In my opinion. I don't know. Sure. I thought bedtime stories, I will admit, had a little bit of okayness. But erotica, I'm, I'm a full on board with you, Jared. Erotica is not good. I Erotica was probably my least favorite album of the collection of albums that we listened to this week. I will preface by saying for those who are listening, we listened to really everything for the most part up to about 97. I did I think like... we skip maybe like one or two. Do we skip maybe one album in that full set of albums that she has? I think so, because she did a, a couple of soundtracks for things, which we did not listen to. Correct. The soundtrack to, uh, I believe this is the correct way to say it, Avita, mm-hmm. and the soundtrack to the uh, Dick Tracy film that she was also in that had some songs that people know from, but we didn't listen to that soundtrack. She's done others, a lot of other soundtracks as well, because she was in a, quite a few films, so mm-hmm. they're like, hey, if we're going to have this pop star be in our movie and uh, maybe flatly act then we should go ahead and have her sing less flat. And why not? 
The only albums we did not listen to uh, for this week are the four albums following Confessions on a Dance Floor and the mm-hmm. album preceding that, American Life. American Life being one that's uh, similar in sound to music uh, and a little bit more political, but not necessarily one that people were really thrilled on. So just to orient you to what it is that we're speaking on musically. Now, I would agree with you both. Again, Erotica, not my forte for different reasons. Uh, but I will say that I actually find home with both of you uh, on the positive end. I actually liked Madonna a lot more than I had anticipated. Mm. I li- I find value really in everything that she did and reason for what she did throughout her time as a musician. Because the way that I view Madonna personally, love to talk about it, is, isn't necessarily just the queen of pop, which mm. is what we uh, associate with her predominantly. I think she's also just really the biggest advocate for dance music in mainstream music. I think that dance music, just dance in general, electronic music later, obviously, but really even in the 80s, uh, was kind of her forte. So the pop end of things, of course, is where people are most at home with her in terms of her sound. But I think that dance music in total is the thing that follows the thread of the entirety of her discography thoughts yeah i guess so i mean really a lot of her music is just dance based anyway even the quote-unquote pop more pop focused stuff even like like a virgin is pretty dancey yeah so and then later on i mean (laughs) listening to all of these albums made me be like okay well i understand you know yes she likes dance music and it's like prominent in her sound and this or that and then when you get to like the later stuff it really starts to be like, oh, now you're just, like you're like you're just banking in on modern dance music, which is makes you just sound like anyone else making quote unquote dance music, and not in a good way. Do you so mean, it's kind of ironic mean, like, the term really her, that like, came about the later portion for work. When you say like that banking, you mean like the really late work, like really the last, yes, the last her most the recent last. four albums, not even the ones we listen to. Even even some confessions on the dance floor has some of it. I, I would Which agree just with like, some of that. It's just like uh, get together is like just any dance song. I mean, a lot of confessions is really any dance song. Right. That's my point. Is like it's funny that you know you were in a time when it was prominent, less prominent. You were using it in pop music in a way that where like some disco elements were still infused, and like even some rock elements were still infused. So, but she she was promoting dance elements in her pop music. And then she just kept doing it. But then when dance was just like the popular stuff, it, the ironic turn of events is that it ended up making her music, which at the beginning was like different, just the same as everything else. That's my point. It's kind of like, okay, well now towards the end, you're kind of doing the same thing you've always done, but the impact is like nothing to me anymore. So let's actually, let's start from the beginning because this is where Jared enjoyed and you did not. So let's talk about what it is, Tyler, that you did not like, and let's talk about what Jared did like. Let's start with Tyler. Let's get all the 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 bad bits out, and then we'll go to the good bits. Uh, honestly, it's just like I don't I don't really care for the tonality of any of it. I'm not a dance like especially '80s dance music. I really don't care for a lot of. There's a lot of things in '80s music I just don't like. Let, I guess I should start there. '80s pop is a genre that I really struggle with. I've never been a big fan of it. Even people who are like, for instance, here's a good example. 
I never really even liked Paul Simon that much until literally a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I have Graceland and I actually kind of like like Graceland. But Graceland has is kind of a borderline album that sits in that realm with a little bit of like recycling and new wave stuff. Most 80s pop, though, is just like a lot of things I don't like. I don't like all this excessive reverb and Tom hits that are all over the drums. I don't like the really like bland, generic synth sounds that are all over the place. I'm just not into most of that stuff. So when you like get into Madonna, where almost all of her early work is like that, I'm not super into it musically. Then the other issue I have with Madonna in general, especially her early work, is for my sensibilities, it's incredibly repetitive. She has a hook. Like the hooks are hooks in her song. She creates a hook. It has its place. It is a hook. But it's the whole song is focused around that hook and the hook is so repetitive it happens so many times i just don't care anymore stop making your song so long i understand you put a hook in here do it two or three times and let's end the song i cannot do it anymore so it's just kind of a mixture of not liking 80s pop sensibilities anyway and her songs are just like a little bit too long and the hooks are just a little bit too frequent because there it it doesn't it's not like sometimes you can change it you know, sometimes your hook is not always the chorus. It's something that leads into it, and it adjust, it can change a little bit over time if you have a longer song. For most of her music, it's not like that. And I just it's just something I'm not into. One thing I will say about so the 80s synth tone that you're speaking of, which I do think is a worthwhile conversation to have, just about because, again, the majority of Madonna fans, the majority of Madonna fans are most familiar with the 80s work. We associate Madonna as an 80s artist, even though she has made the bulk of her albums outside of the 80s. She has 14 LPs, only four of which sit within the 80s. Those are just probably like, you know, the when she exploded. There was a point where many uh, many publications cited her as the like most important artist of the 80s. Not all of them, obviously, but many of them did. Uh, so obviously the 80s is where we sit at, but... With the synth tone in particular, I get that it's repetitive. I get that it becomes uh, quote-unquote generic. But the thing is, is that in the 80s, those synth tones were not generic. They were they were the you know this completely new thing uh, in that period of time. We were not seeing the technology that we saw in the 80s until that point in time. We saw definitely some kind of like um, digitized noise in the 60s and the 70s when, you know, obviously technology was moving in that direction. But the things you could do in the 80s were not even possible until the 80s. So a lot of the 80s saw them using those as um, ways to experiment. And, and yes, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people were doing that, which is what made them sound generic. But I would say that Madonna was somebody who was at the early point and even popularized the idea of using some of those. And really, like, they only predominate most of the first three albums. They definitely show up on Like a Prayer, but I think that Like a Prayer brings in so many other aspects of music that, yes, the 80s synth sounds are still there, but I think that they're not, like, the focal point. It's not the most important thing that's happening here. But, Jer, what is it? So you say, obviously, one of the big things that you are drawn to is, like, the bops, the big singles. So... What, what is it about the 80s music for you that you were really drawn to? Um, so I didn't know that I recognized as many songs from that period as I did. Sure. So like, you know, you I know like a virgin I know, like a prayer I know, borderline, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But even like listening um, to the debut with the song Lucky Star, 
I was like, I know this. Like mm-hmm. when, I, when I worked at uh, Goodwill, uh, there was this playlist of music that they had like different days. And so like some days it was 80s music. Some days it was like modern music. And then some days it was uh, like on Wednesdays, it was uh, senior day. So that's the oldies music. But at some point, uh, the CD broke and it never changed. So every day I would go into work and hear the same songs because it never would go to the new genres. And I listened to the Lucky Star probably uh, hundreds of times during this period. <laughs> oh, my God. And it wasn't until this week that I knew it was Madonna. Oh, look at that. You were just like, I know this song. And then you heard, I, it, it came as on. As soon as like, you started the week, you're like, oh, I know this. Yeah. <laughs> I know this I've real well. i heard this song many times, and I never knew it was Madonna. Yeah. But like, just like the singles that she had that came from that period of time were just really big songs that I recognized, even not by knowing the title, uh, like, this is what the song is called, but like once it came on, I knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a stupid amount of hits in the eighties. Yes, a stupid amount of hits in the eighties. So like, I mean, and you can argue that the ones that are the bigger ones are better or whatever than the like lower tier hits. Sure, but I mean, like, just that I knew so many songs from that time that were all like good, or you know, I mean, like. Not maybe not good pop songs. I, I mean, they probably are, but like uh, recognizable pop songs is sure. what, you know made it kind of fun. Um, and then like uh, you know, like I mean, I didn't love the debut album. I liked a few songs from it, like I mentioned. Sure, but then like probably the first. I mean, the first album that was I I thought was pretty good was Like a Virgin, mm-hmm. and then uh, some stuff from True Blue was okay. Like Papa Don't Preach is a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I like Like a Prayer. I thought that was a pretty big jump from just like traditional uh, 80s pop music into something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed was uh, the comparison to Cindy Lauper. Uh-huh. I just like some of the things that Madonna did with like the cutesiness of the voice. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't want to do it because you know, or whatever. But feel free if you want to. <laughs> I don't want. I know I can't do it. I don't feel well, and I know it's going to sound awful. Yeah, uh, but we like, know what you mean. Yeah, like some of like the little like just like the ad lib stuff that she would do reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of Cindy Lauper. Sure. Funny enough, they both like Cindy Lauper's debut came out in '83. Uh huh. As did um, Madonna's. So you can't even really be like, oh, this person totally stole from this person. Like, right. Like they probably both just were doing the thing at the same time. For sure. That, you know, like, but I heard some Cindy Lauper and what I heard this week. Interesting. And she, she's definitely not as big as Madonna, obviously. No. But she, she know, was honestly like on the cusp of being it in the 80s. Yeah. I wouldn't have argued that either of them were really like way above each other. What obviously Madonna did was that she continued yeah. on f- past the 80s. We listened Cindy to Lopper's. Uh, She's Not Unusual for some kind of 80s thing we did. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's, better, that's a better album than the debut of Madonna. They oh, both think, came out the same mm-hmm. year. I, I would mm-hmm. say most people would probably agree. But I mean, yeah, I would agree. Cindy Lauper wasn't able to keep the same level of success uh and like critical acclaim that madonna was i think a lot of that comes down to and i you know we'll get into this more is just madonna's willingness to experiment with music and so i don't think that cindy Lauper necessarily had those same sensibilities and so 
you know, it's not that Cindy Lauper wasn't a good artist or even a good eighties artist mm. as and where we're kind of at right now. But I think Madonna had a little bit more of a willingness to uh, jump out of what the eighties was and go in a different direction, even if it didn't all land. Yeah. She definitely like was uh, willing to experiment with different genres and different sounds mm. throughout her entire career of things that like, you know, if you, if you play the debut album and you play the last thing we listened to, which is confessions on the dance floor, they're not even remotely the same. They're not even like, it's just completely different artists. So well, interesting. I, it's funny though because well, I, I'll get to this when we get later. But I see "Confessions on a Dance Floor" as almost like the victory lap of her career, where it comes back to those disco elements she said she had early. It's a completely different album for sure, but yeah. it like almost returns back to some of those thoughts she had. Um, but anyway, so I'll mention too. I think another thing that makes Madonna kind of viewed as an 80 artist, eighties artist is just the fact that she came up in the eighties. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people, I mean, of course we're What's young. A given. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're younger, uh, than your, someone who would have been listening to Madonna initially, but I know that our mom and patron David mm-hmm. all mentioned that borderline was a song that comes to mind and it's because really it was like one of the first songs if not the first song they heard from madonna mm-hmm. which also is very odd because uh that song obviously has a radio mix but that's a, a seven minute long song they definitely didn't hear that very oh much. holy crap a seven minute long song on like a debut pop album no all right madonna but like you're you're very familiar with some of that early stuff and we associate with her with the 80s not just because um, it's her best work, but because it is her, um, the work that made her who she was, it's really why, and not to say that like a prayer isn't an amazing album. Cause I do actually really, really enjoy like a prayer as an album, especially, um, getting through this week and having a good kind of, um, uh, vision of who she is as an artist. But the familiarity with her early work is because that's what turned her into a mega star. Cause Madonna really like, taking this long to get to Madonna, Madonna is easily one of the biggest artists that we have covered on this show, I would argue. So Tyler, you said that really most of the 80s work, what did you feel about Like a Prayer specifically? Because obviously some of the the first three albums kind of, um, not meander, but kind of exist still in those 80s sounds. What did you feel once you got to something that I guess went in at least a little bit of a different direction from the typical 80s affair, especially because it came out in uh, 89. Is that correct? 89. So really yep. kind of coming out of the 80s era. I definitely like it more than I like the other stuff. It's certainly different and it has, I think there are like little, some little things in there because on that album, you tend to listen a little bit more for some of the little instrumentation stuff that she does that is not normal. So I think it's kind of an enjoyable album to listen to and try to find some of the little things that she's experiment, experimenting with or trying. So I don't, I didn't, that was probably the album of the era that I liked the most. Uh, but it, it still didn't like get me, you know, I still wasn't like all about it necessarily, but I do think it's probably better. And it's definitely better than, than erotica, you know, what came next. Um, yes. I do feel like, I do feel like once she hits the nineties, she still kind of retains a lot of the, and and it's not necessarily just like, it's not tonality or instrumentation necessarily, but um, she hits a lot of eighties pop sensibilities still. Yeah. So she just retains a little too much for me up until you get to, I think bedtime story starts to shift just a little bit, but really up until you get to ray of light. But I think that in, in 
what we see here and what we listen to this week, Like a Prayer stands out as kind of an odd album in the continuation of her work that we like in the timeline that we listen to. Sure. Because I really think that Erotica kind of returns to some of the 80s sensibilities and doesn't really, for me, I don't, it didn't really do a lot in terms of getting experimental or changing a little bit or doing that different. It really pushed the, like the sexual portion of her, you know, a lot of people know her as someone who is about even her. I mean, we know that from the titles of her songs. We know that from things that she's mentioned in them, you know, but that album is just kind of like full, full out the sexuality situation. And I'm, I wonder if that didn't take away from, being able to focus on some of the music as much, but that is definitely a case for erotica. There's no yeah. question at all that that's a case for erotica, but I actually, that is something that I wanted to make sure we touched on before we get through the eighties is just Madonna really as like an icon, as an image, as not just a artist, I suppose. So like, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you see? And what do you think about the fact that really, I, I mean, I think up to like a prayer and even within the confines of like a prayer, a lot of Madonna's popularity and what people thought about her was based on just like the way that she presented herself in like live performances and a lot of like kind of the upfront sexuality and um, risque elements of her music, I suppose. Um, So like, what did, what did you get from, I guess, just like the, um, the history of what we know about Madonna and how she kind of um, came about in, in that way. Um, it's pretty interesting because the legacy of Madonna on pop music is, is just as much in personality and pre- presentation and creating um, like an iconic figure out of your career and out of the person that you create for a stage presence or, or, and, and you know, it, it reminds me in a way of like Alice Cooper to an extent, right? I mean, there's lots of things in Alice Cooper's mind that make up the character Alice Cooper. It's not all him. It's not all not him. You know what I mean? Madonna is kind of similar. You know, she wanted to push the envelope and do this or that. And she changed the perception of pop music, not only in like the public, but for pop musicians and artists going forward, which is really interesting because we still see the lasting effect of that in terms of image and in terms of. I mean, Miley Cyrus is like a really great current, if you want, artist, although I think she's starting to wane with regards because now she's just kind of making albums that are based off of time periods. But sure, um, you know, her popularity is like a resurgence of Madonna. It very much mimics Madonna's popularity to an extent. You know what I mean? I could Uh, see that comparison. What's that? I could see that comparison. Yeah. So we still are seeing a lot of the tongue in cheek things that are a little more obvious than they used to be like in the sixties and seventies in pop music being things that people are singing about or ways that people are writing music and lyrics and, and creating a persona today. So I just think it, I think it's pretty interesting and I think her role in basically creating pop music for the last 30 plus years is undeniably the biggest in any influence in any genre in history other than maybe the Beatles and rock, but I'm not sure that even really fits necessarily because rock is kind of splintered off so much that it sometimes it's hard to trace it back. But sure. so much of modern pop can be traced back to Madonna and personality and in musicianship and songwriting and all of those things. An incredible amount for sure. And I think one thing too, and this is uh, another thing that's very um, 80s centric and also totally worth considering. Cause I don't know how much we've really delved into this, 
But the 80s was very, very much the music video era. And I think that Madonna very much dominated the music video era and knew how to use that, especially because of the fact that image was so important to who she was as an artist. I think that the usage of music videos and her ability to kind of use that um, as a means to gain popularity and even push the envelope uh, was a very important part of her career as well. Did you guys have any like music? Did you watch any of the music videos? Of no, music? I had planned to watch the uh, "Like a Prayer" video, and I never did. I I watched. I I saved it, and I watched the first like five seconds, and then never went back. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, and uh, I should have watched. Uh, I should have watched League of Their Own. She's in that one. That's another Patreon uh, mention. Oh. Uh, patron oh. Patron Jamie mentioned that a League of Their Own uh, is like yeah, the, the, the big thing that love that movie and that character that uh-huh. she played so that's something else that like is totally uh worthwhile in terms also of the in image. that film with rosie o'donnell and her True. christmas album that's right then there's no crying about that ah uh, christmas album uh, um um wasn't what which album was prince on was that uh like a prayer okay that was pretty cool mm-hmm. he, i knew yeah, it oh, was yeah. him i was like i you had to hear him that guitar tone yeah I it's know. so there but he wasn't i i felt like it made it sound like he was a part of more than what he actually was when you were looking at the uh like on wikipedia it i thought that maybe he was like more of a producer kind of thing mm-hmm. but i don't think he actually was i think he was just kind of a part of that one song where he played guitar he played he played guitar on different songs throughout that album but the big one is love song let's play the duet mm-hmm. of madonna and prince on the song love song yeah I think that the the relationship between Madonna and Prince is very interesting because really we've really mentioned the holy trifecta of 80s pop music, which is Michael Jackson, Prince and Madonna. Those are really the three biggest figures of that decade from for, at least from True. my perspective of you know popular mainstream music uh, all Who's going really in different directions. Which one's your which one's y'all's favorites? Oh, I can't do it. Nope, can't. Nope. Oh, you can't even choose favorite between those favorite three. Favorite what? Favorite what? Prince, Madonna, or Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Yeah, I knew. I had a feeling you would choose on Jared. I, I think. I never was into Prince. I liked what we listened to when we did it, but I know I haven't gone back to Prince. Uh, but uh, I would. Pro- I think I would probably choose Prince. Yeah, I think I'd have to. I don't know. I think that they all serve very different purposes. That's I don't. It's question. so. I know. That's not the question. Yeah, I, but, yeah the question I, isn't about. I'd probably gravitate towards the sound of Prince more, but I see that Michael Jackson is probably a bigger star, but I also think Madonna, it it, it really is just very difficult. So I don't know. So uh, are we out of the eighties or nineties or whatever? Is there anything else that we would like to, to say about, we've talked obviously about a good, well, actually one thing. Uh, Did you guys happen to, we're still slightly on the imagery type of thing. Did you guys watch the performance of her? Uh, doing like a virgin in the wedding dress. 
Do you remember that at all? From what, like VMAs or something like that? I believe it was the MTV Music Video Awards. No, I didn't rewatch that. Tyler, it's pretty good. I did not. Let's take a, let's, we should let's peek in here. Let's see. It's really quite the thing. Oh, so, oh it's from 84. Uh huh. So it was very early in her oh, career, and a very early indication that she was going to be using uh you know provocative images in her music. I remember seeing uh that in a couple of her live performances, she uh. Just basically, uh, the term that they use is different. She just masturbated on stage, just huh? rubbing, rubbing herself on stuff. What? We still, yeah, we see it still. Yep. Today. We do. It's it, and that's the thing where like up to the '80s and really Madonna, the willingness to like exhibit any kind of sexuality within your music, especially as a female artist is just like it would have never happened had it not been for madonna and now we have like you know an obvious like wop that's what i was gonna say an an obvious like recent example we wouldn't have a wop without a madonna you know just two women sistering themselves exactly if we didn't have madonna would we really have macaroni in a pot we wouldn't would we really have macaroni in a pot the only thing uh that i wanted that i had saved really to discuss too much besides my little anecdote about the goodwill, was uh, the song Where Life Begins on Erotica, I found to be kind of funny because uh, at one point in the song, she says, Colonel Sanders says says it best, finger licking, or finger good licking good, which he doesn't say that. Colonel Sanders does not say that. But she said, (laughs) finger good licking good. Finger good licking good. Finger good licking good. Let's put what you've learned to the test. Can you make a fire without using wood? Are you still hungry? And I want the whole, Ooh, I want her to have the in, an entire song with weird euphemisms that like are like. References <laughs> back to KFC? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just like random, like, uh, you can get more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. <laughs> I'll oh, pay boy. You, I'll pay you for a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> That, is that what you t- are you doing a Popeye reference, everybody? Ah, g- 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 just uh, just complete, just a whole. Isn't that basically the whole album of erotica? Is just like weird euphemisms that are somehow kind of erotic. I I I just think that a an entire like an entire album would have been. I think that would be fun. That Penny would. for your thoughts. Things like that. Yes. That's what it made me sound think of. Yeah, just uh, that's funny. Yes, but let's let's go into it then, because yeah. I think all parties agree, Rodica, not her favorite album. No, I didn't like it. I, that was the only thing th- that I pulled from it when I heard her mention the the Colonel. You know, you can't you cannot you pass up the Colonel. Yeah, you know? but I don't think I liked it really anything at all from that album. I don't. I didn't know any of the songs really. Uh, like if they were hits, they weren't hits that big. Uh, no, I think that so uh, my understanding of the history of the album Erotica. So after um after the success of Like of Prayer, uh Madonna started to go in different directions with like, you know, film uh and different types of performances what have you. But did you guys happen to see what she released right around the same time as the movie or as the album Erotica? Perhaps a book Oh, I've heard of it. Is it a coffee table book of yeah. her, like, uh, Nudes. Kama Sutra or something weird? Yeah. Mm. Just a whole, Solid. whole lot of, Solid book. like, a softcore kind of uh, uh, 
really like S&M style uh, types of stuff. Uh, the book is called, <clears throat> it's very timely, Sex. Oh. That is the name of the book. Um, and it, it, it distracted a lot of people from the release of the album Erotica because they were all very... Probably good. It also distracted them quite a bit from their uh, dinner with their friends. Uh-huh. Uh, it was on very, the hard, very hard to have coffee. It's on the coffee table, and I'll tell you what. A lot of crumbs on the floor. <laughs> crumbs all over. Did you know that the leather bikini she wore in the book sex she also wore in the erotica music video so there is some crossover Ooh, crossover yeah. she was really just trying to stir up uh you know some multi-format yeah it's praise the, it's the but. the the book version of the album where like they do mm -hmm. like you know like the movies based on books it's the, it's the album based on books that's all it is yeah right. so erotica so, go ahead it please. got uh so that song uh erotica mm-hmm the title track got to number three and the song deeper and deeper got to number seven, but I did not recognize like erotica, no. even though it's a top three mm. hit, it is not anything, mm. but like, are you not going to play it now? No. Like it was like a song no. of its time, but it's not like relevant now at all. Right. You know? Well, so the, the thing about erotica is, is that, that album was kind of when she was getting more into different types of dance slash club music. Mm. So she was wanting to use that album kind of as a way to move past the 80s and kind of keeping her ear to the ground of what was going on in dance music. And so erotica really is a lot of sounds that come from like the club style music at this point in time. And I don't think that she totally found herself in them for the first album. And many of those sounds, as we will proceed forward, are also heard on album like uh, Bedtime Stories and Ray of Light. But I think that they start to get fleshed out a little bit more accurately over the next uh, two albums following Erotica. So really a lot of it is that it's just very dated club music is what she's making at this point in time. Mm-hmm. That's agreeable, undoubtedly. <laughs> I mean, I just don't under. I just don't. That's what I'm saying. It, it just gets ironic eventually. I don't understand the '90s gap where it's just like a lack of stuff, and then it's back to good pop music, and then you just get the album music, which is just like garbage. You hate music. Oh, it, it's it's it's. I mean, that, I guess some of it is okay. Put that in your but pocket. There's a lot of it. Put that in your pocket. We're in the 90s now, yeah, baby. We We're going to get there to 2000. We haven't left Ray of Light yet. Yeah, yeah we haven't even gotten to Ray of yeah, Light Yeah, let's yet. just get to Ray of Light. Let's, let's get just, to... let's, you know what? We got to get some bedtime stories. Let's get there real quick. No, no, no. We just let's just talk it. about all of them at the same time, really. I don't well, like, I, I didn't like So I thought bedtime stories, uh -huh. I didn't think it was terrible. It wasn't great, but I was like, now we're starting to move towards something that maybe is okay, that I can deal with. Because I don't mind 90s pop sounds quite as much. And she actually begins to see, show a little bit of an understanding of the fact that she hasn't been in the 80s for, you know, two albums. Mm -hmm. And makes a little bit of changes. It's okay. But then, I don't know if you what you all thought about. I guess we'll get there first. What do you think about that time story? I, so again, the way that I view it, and we'll get into it obviously, but I, I, I like kind of the transition from erotica to bedtime stories to Ray of Light. Because I think it is all very logical. 
I don't love erotica. I think there's some okay elements, and I actually know that there's a lot of people who view erotica as one of her best albums just because that's kind of the style of music that they might be into. But I think that what happened was, and something that's worth discussing, is that the reason that we see the progression from erotica to bedtime stories to Ray of Light is because of her interest in UK-specific dance music. Because the UK was very big in kind of the electronic scene in the 90s, and I think that even on erotica, you hear elements of what I will describe and what we have covered before as trip-hop. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of little bits of trip-hop that come out in erotica, and bedtime stories, and then really get fleshed out in Ray of Light. And it's because of the fact that she was very interested in UK dance music. And so a lot of what you hear on Erotica is UK dance music, and then she starts bringing more of it into bedtime stories. So one of the obvious things you'll notice is that there is a song that is, uh, you know, working with Bjork, who also was interested in the trip-hop scene. She dated Tricky, who is also a part of Massive Attack. Um... She also brings in UK um, like programmers and producers on these albums. And so a lot of what you're hearing and the reason that it's going in this different direction is because of her interest in UK-based uh, electronic dance club music. And so that's why I see that the, the Bedtime Stories album as important because it shows that from erotica to Bedtime Stories, she's still keeping an eye on that scene and still kind of putting that into her music and will get to that on like ray of light if that makes sense yeah there's definitely more uh focus to me on like the beat and groove in bedtime stories i feel like uh bedtime stories has a little bit of i want to avoid like i'm when i listen to the to the beat portion some of it seems more like some of the uh popular but not quite hardcore hip-hop in like stuff going on in the early 90s mm-hmm. i don't know if you got any of that or not which is kind of nice like i'm talking like uh some fresh princey type stuff here you know what i mean mm-hmm. stuff that people aren't like listening to and be like oh let me tell you about some stuff it's more just like yeah this happened one time <clears throat> i don't mind that that's kind of interesting and then uh as it moves on yeah it, it definitely i mean i didn't think about the trip hop stuff and I, I must have just like missed the fact that she focused a little more heavily on uk music but it's obviously there and completely clear and makes total sense at that point especially once you get to ray of light mm-hmm. ray of light just... is produced by um a artist named william orbit and orbit mm. is a uk based um dj you know music musician um who also obviously would have been uh, fully aware of the UK scene of dance music. So that, you know, that's where a lot of the ray of light sound comes out is because of the fact that she's collaborating with the UK scene at this point in her career. I'd have to say for me, ray of light shows some of her best songwriting. Now that may be different for other people, but just for me, I really, I mean, the title track is a really great pop song. I, for me, it's better than any pop song she's ever written. It's a great pop song. And it, and it's like, it's in 98. It's kind of on the cusp of a new big pop scene. You know what I mean? And the fact that she's not only still relevant, but like making some, for me, some of her best music in that period is really great. And 
Ray of Light is not like to me that doesn't even sound that dated. The song doesn't even sound that dated. No, let's like it's just a great lasting pop song. Let's listen to some Ray of Light. I think that's a good a good song to to use as an indication of where her like sensibilities of electronic music and pop kind of meld together well. You know what song Ray of Lights featured in? What's that? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's on Polka Power. Hey, yes, Polka Power. From Weird Al Yankovic. If you don't mind, I'll go ahead and mention that uh, she also was. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Let's Weird Al real quick. Can we Weird Al real quick? Weird, weird Al away. All right. Weird Al did a parody like a surgeon yes. of Like a Virgin. Good yes. song. Yes. Then she's in Polka Power. Oh, my favorite Weird Al album, Running With Scissors. Great album, phenomenal album. I mean, can't beat it. So good. Can't beat it. Then she also is featured on Polka Party, the title track of the album Polka Party from 1986. She has had two Polka songs and her own Weird Al parody. Needless to say, she has won a golden accordion today. (laughs) Get to work. Yeah. Congrats. Get to work, everybody. Congrats, Get working Madonna. on that Lots of recording. contenders, but I'm glad that you did it. I think that maybe one of the few people who could... You know, I can think of two. Two people who could really contend with the uh, Golden Accordion for Madonna Michael are Jackson. Michael Jackson and Nirvana. Yeah. Two people who were featured on the cover of a Weird Al album. Uh, important, it, yes. important for that. So, uh, name, me though, name me another artist that has been featured in three Weird Al songs. Probably Eminem. It'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if Eminem was on that list. I'd have to do some looking. He doesn't get one, though. We should really, at some point, just do a special episode where we talk about um, the the amount of features each artist has within Weird Al's music. So, obviously, again, like you've mentioned, three, three Madonna Weird Al instances. You know, like, we can find different Michael Jackson ones. We've, we, we've got multiple of those. You know, we could really... Could really do a lot with that one. Anyways, Ray of Light, I think, honestly, I agree. Ray of Light is definitely one of those um, pop songs that transcends being in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, whatever it might be. It's just a good pop song. Mm-hmm. You know what uh, it reminded me of is uh, Share Believe. Like, yeah, it same, is a little Share-like. It's I'll the same that. year. Yeah. And it's the it's like Is it the same year? 1998, baby. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. And it like, I mean, they're both basically a, uh, like revolutionizing their sound in the next uh, decade, going mm-hmm. on the next decade mm-hmm. in dance music. Yeah. Yep. Cher, uh, yep. at the time, had, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember this statistic because it's very interesting. She had a top five hit, ten hit, some kind of in that range, maybe even a top top hit in like multiple decades. So like yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. And then she needed to do it again into the 2000s. And I don't believe she did. I don't think so. But it was still like going like 1998 for Cher to have a hit 
was pretty crazy. And believe might be one of her most popular, if not uh, if yeah. not her most popular. It is. It yeah, probably, it, it is sure the most it popular. Is. To think about like how far into her career that yes. she was doing that. And really like Ray of Light is not her most popular song, but it's definitely no. I think probably her most popular post 80s song. Mm, oh yeah. Probably. I think there's it's some probably contenders. their most popular song of her late career. It's it's there are some contenders. I think music off of Madonna's music and I think that hung up off of confessions on a dance floor are contenders but i think ray of light you know what uh another good song from the next album which i don't want to get too far away from ray light but i'll go ahead uh the song don't tell me Mm -hmm. uh is a good song and it is i love don't tell me it is a uh, oh i love that song a i hate that song cheryl crow inspired like you can hear uh that's what when I read about it, yeah. people compared Madonna to sounding like Cheryl Crow in that mm-hmm. song, which is kind of interesting. Well, the fun thing, I don't, uh, we can jump ahead. There's no format. We don't care. Wow. Music. Wow, I had something else to say about it. We'll go but back. Y'all to- just keep yabbering over there. We'll get to Ray of Light again. I'll come back. Yeah, to it's you. his favorite. I'll I just wanted to say yeah, one ahead. thing. Okay, okay, go ahead. Say your thing. I think that that album and that song, I think it has some of the most interesting instrumental and musical choices of her, of all of her albums in it. For me easily i think that ray of light really bounces between so many different types of music there's rock there's you know obviously the dance music again i've mentioned trip hop which also means that there is dance music on top of club music on top of electronic music on top of hip-hop music but then obviously then there's all of the pop that keeps uh, you know alive throughout her music and so it, it's definitely her most um, experimental album. It's definitely her most um, varied album. There's so many different parts of it, and I think that's really... I would agree with you. I think Ray of Light is my favorite album of hers. It's very, very close with Like a Prayer. I think that both of them are very, very good albums, but I think I like the types of things she's doing on Ray of Light a little bit more, but recognize the importance of Like a Prayer. You know who covered Ray of Light? Who's that? I think we've talked about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Iggy Pop. Oh, I forgot about that. I he, think we did talk about that. He, per- he performed it with uh, the Stooges mm-hmm. uh, during Madonna's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Huh. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that he, is interesting. I, my recollection is he did not do a good job. I can't see that song being performed by an Iggy Pop. No. It's just so bright mm. and just so serene. And Iggy Pop is... Truly not really either of those two things musically. So I don't know about it. it would be I, I would be quite interested to hear what that sounds like, but I don't think I want to do it right now. Mm. I think another song off of that album, uh, Ray of Light, that's really good is um, the song Swim, because that song is also, um, it uses a lot of the rock elements while still keeping the kind of the electronic dance thread throughout her music too. Music though, to, to, to jump only slightly, um, I think is also kind of an odd experimental choice for her because of the Sheryl Crow comparison that you're making. I seven out of the 10 songs on that album are like kind of folky and acoustic based, but still have like the same electronic dance elements to it. She's got a cowgirl head on. What other album is like folk electronica? How many of those do you have laying around at your house? But Tyler, you didn't like it. Why didn't you like music? I don't know. Maybe I just didn't. Maybe it just didn't live up to real life for me. So I was just like, man, this is just okay. Maybe if I heard it on its own outside of like 
Because I did listen to those two, one and the other. And I don't know, maybe that's really what it was. I ought to be honest with you, I really don't like Don't Tell Me. I don't like the that song at all. The instrumentation is aggravating. It, I hate those stupid stops because they don't they don't fit in time. And pop music should fit in time. It needs that, to be fit in time. That's what makes it cool, man. That's why I hate it. That's it's what makes pop it music. cool is that she's doing something pop, but it like shows that she's doing something different. Maybe I don't like that she wants to challenge me so much. Stop it, Madonna. Madonna loves challenging everyone. That's her whole damn job. Um, I don't. There's know. some interesting stuff on that album, though. Um, she, there's auto tune on that album, which is wild. That's kind of what stuck out to me. The vocoder usage on that album yeah. is definitely very prominent. In 2000, very much it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a little early. I think it's a. I mean, looking back on it, I guess I can think of it as a pretty interesting album to an extent. I think it's definitely, I think it's a little early for like some of the stuff on there, quite honestly. I think it's a little bit like before that stuff really became more mainstream and pop. I mean, when we think about what else came out in 2000. Yeah, no. You know, it was right sure. around there. Uh, you know, Sync's stuff was right around there, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Two of the most popular albums that were released within that year uh, are Backstreet Boys and Sync, And another one that was very popular was Britney Spears, all of which yeah. are very indicative of the fact that teen pop was still doing its thing in 2000. Yeah. And really was like still quite a thing in uh, 97 when Ray of Light came out. Mm -hmm. I think that Madonna, which is very odd, was like one of the most experimental pop artists of that era of time. Like like everyone who was kind of coming up in that era who was very popular, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, you know, Britney Spears, a, a plethora of other names, were all kind of in that same area while Madonna, who probably could have done those things quite easily just chose not to do those things. Yeah. Well, it's probably like, I mean, it's fortunate that she didn't because one, she's created a phenomenal album while those other people have not made albums that even though they're lasting mostly due to nostalgia or understanding of the time, they're not lasting because of the quality in the same way that an album like Ray of Light is. But sure. also it's like, how do you remain relevant in that period? How do you remain? Re I mean, your relevancy isn't going to come from doing you being an old pop star. I think you know? we, we so. see that throughout the entirety of the last decade for Madonna. I think that like really following confessions on a dance floor, everything really she's done has a meddling electro pop that everyone else is doing, which is why it just fades in the background. She's not mm -hmm. doing anything that's different or refreshing in the same way that Ray of Light and in my opinion, music and in my opinion, Confessions on a Dance Floor kind of refreshing takes on music outside of what you'd anticipate in that period of music. So let's get through a little yeah. bit of Confessions on a Dance Floor because obviously with her discography, it's hard to get through all of it um, in a concise but like effective way. But I do want to leave some room because I'm sure we've got a lot of silly bits, li you know, living out there in the world that aren't, Weird Al related. What do we think about Confessions on a Dance Floor? My favorite song, I think, of what we listen to is Hung Up. You think so? I love that song. I've loved that song so much. Oh, it's a good dance I don't, song. Some, for some reason, like last year, it popped back into my mind, this song. And uh, I put it in my dance playlist. And I'll go back to it quite often uh, and listen to it because just... So, uh, play the song a little bit of it. Please. And, uh, well, I asked you, so you don't have to say please to me. It's up to you. I'm glad you're saying it is what I'm saying. Please, give me a chance to play Hung Up. Those who wait, no time to hesitate. Those who run seem to have all the fun. I'm caught up. I don't know what to do. 
So that uh, music in the background is a sample of the song Gimme Gimme A Man After Midnight. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Gimme Gimme Gimme. I think, I think it's, it's three. Three Gimmies. Three Gimmies. By the group ABBA. Uh, and it fits with this production incredibly well. Yes. It's so interesting because it is like that's, I listened to a little bit of that song without uh, the Madonna part. Sure. You know, like I listened to a Gimme Gimme Gimme. Yeah. yeah. After midnight. And it's like for a song that came out in like the seventies, that that beat is so like futuristic. Oh yeah, it is amazing that it like like it could have come out then, it could have come out thirty years from now, or it come out in like thirty years from right now. Yeah, and it is still like it could still be timely. It's I think, so wild. I think that's one of the fun elements of just electronic music in general is that it's also like synthetic and digitized and robotic in this way that like it literally would fit forever. In the same way that like um this is a very dumb example but like the Jetsons Ooh. was set in like what the year 2000 something like We that. don't live in space. No. I don't have a robot made, you know, like I, I, I guess I have a, a, an Alexa around maybe, you know, like that's kind Roomba. of thing. a Roomba. Um, but like for literally like decades upon decades upon decades, we've thought that like um, the world of like, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the digital world would go even farther than what it has by now. And so something about like the usage of those kind of synthetic tones I think is probably always going to sound weirdly of any time period, whether it's done the seventies or the 2030s, mm-hmm. it's going to sound like the future. The Jetsons were, was set in 2062. So we're not there yet. Oh, 62? 2062. Okay, we have okay. time not quite for yet. these things. We're getting close. Tyler, what did you think about uh, confessions uh, from the dance floor on the dance floor? On, on a dance, dance floor. On the dance floor. On a dance floor. On a dance floor. Panic on a dance floor. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, panic on it. You know, I remember when this album came out. Mm-hmm. And so because I remember the uh, cover of it. And so when I saw it was on here, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that album. I was looking forward to listening to it because I thought I had remembered more favorable things from that time period. But then when I listened to it, I didn't really recognize a lot of it. So I don't know what I would have heard at the time that I've missed. But outside of Hung I Up, think, obviously. Did you recognize Hung Up? Yeah. Not really. No. Really? That's yeah. the, that's the only one I actually really knew from that album. So I, I figured that was like a huge thing that everybody was just aware of. I like Hung Up came a, on and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a we that's watched, a banger." We that's watched a MTV a lot during that time and we that did. song was on TRL a lot all the time. Uh so it, she was back on television, back on MTV almost surprisingly, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. At that time, you know, like what the 30 years later or whatever it would have been i mean well it would have been about at that point 20 it, no. because of the fact that this was 2006 yeah but she had an album uh, in 84 uh, it came out in 05 so that's almost that's oh that's you mean from the beginning i meant like yeah, from the, yeah the time when she wasn't really on mtv because really we didn't see anything from her 90s work or even the ray of light was a little bit i mean it it was a music video that people played and stuff, sure but it definitely wasn't um as like modern like that was a like confessions on a dance floor was a modern album uh both modern and definitely rooted in like old disco well i'm like i'm saying like it was relevant for for kids like not kids but like young adult yeah mainstream Mainstream. music played that uh and i 
for sure. Uh, at, around that time, I don't know exactly what year this happened, was the infamous kiss, uh, which we have yes. not talked about yet, of uh, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Madonna. And it's funny because um, Christina Aguilera really got out of it scotch-free, even though she participated. Right. But Madonna and, and Britney, bitch, were... Uh, what a moment. <laughs> They were like chastised pretty heavily for all of that. I think that the two most memorable moments in music in terms of that type of thing is that and then the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake yeah. Super Bowl moment. Yeah. Yes. I think those Agreed. two moments are probably the most time. controversial yeah. 2000s moments uh, in terms of like that type of like uh, in- incident that happened. That was in 2004, so they were... Look oh. at that. Oh, even before. Was that a little bit before Confessions, right? Because that was the year 2000. She's probably, she was probably... Uh, five, that's what I thought. Well, no, because she did a song with Britney on one of Britney's albums. And mm. That's probably what they were promoting for the VMAs mm. at the time. But... Oh, it's, yeah, 03 and 04. Those are the those are the years of the happenings. Oh. Really, we should have just ranked the top most controversial things Madonna has done on MTV, and no. we probably had a whole episode from just that. She <laughs> like, did a whole music video where where Jesus was black. <laughs> she she did a whole music video. She actually like all of her music videos have done things like yeah. this before, which yes. is why it's funny. Like it's just so much. Of just like, oh yeah, now we're doing like an S and M thing. Okay, now I'm kissing a lady. Like it's uh-huh. just like a lot of, a lot of like uh very again controversial things she's done in her music up to that point. She did a uh, James Bond song uh, mm-hmm. after Garbage did their song for one of the albums. Um, uh, she did Die Another Day, I believe, is the the song from the uh, movie Die Another Day. The James good Bond movie. Song. Um, but I guess in the music video for Here's that. Yep, he's a guy. Uh, he's a man. I guess in the music video for that, she had like Jew, uh, Jewish text, and uh, she got chastised for that. And so, like, literally anything she does, music video wise, at over the last, uh, you know, thirty years, because like now if she makes a music video, nobody really cares. No. So I'm not gonna count now. I'm not gonna yeah. count the last like half decade because she had an album come out last year that nobody cared about. And then she had... It wasn't um, very good. I think in 2015, MDNA, the Madonna one, uh, which featured Nicki Minaj, but it was not really relevant at all. Um, but like at the time of her relevancy, um, any time she made any kind of live performance, music video, appearance of any kind, she mm-hmm. had some kind of controversy come up from it. Even like, so there's a song on Confessions on a Dance Floor uh, entitled Isaac, and oh, Isaac yeah. had controversy around it as well because um, a, a bunch of, I'm not even going to get into that one, but like even like, uh, like well, what, uh, what did you get into a little bit if you're going to bring it sure. up? Sure. So the biblical? name Isaac, it was named after a musician who performed on it. In the song, they speak in Jewish transcript, if I remember correctly. Okay. And uh, people interpreted it as though she was doing something um, that they didn't appreciate from like the Jewish mm. um um, like it's anti-Semitic or what? Like yes. it's uh, almost mimicking or, or, or mocking in a way. All three of those things, yes. Well, really kind of the way I. You know, she. 
Do you remember when everyone freaked out because she wore a Kabbalah? Do you remember those things? Do you remember that time? There have been multiple instances of those. She had like Latin music that came out in her music. So even the most recent album. Yeah, but I'm talking the Jewish specific thing. Right. I was even going to go as as far back because, I mean, obviously early on she had the the Christian iconography of like wearing like a cross earring or necklace that people didn't necessarily appreciate on even before like – a prayer uh but during that time as well um but yeah yeah no that's this has been is an always thing for her in her life well i think tyler's saying that she has uh maybe specifically uh been offensive to jewish people you know that's true well she's just i mean is she i mean every time she does anything people freak out yes it's part of it and like i remember in the mid 2000s when she wore a Kabbalah, like the red string bracelet, you remember she wore that thing and that was a big deal. But a lot of the things that she does are related to Judaism. And I, be- but I think she's of Jewish descent anyway, in with regards to her, her family. Is that true? I can't remember. I thought that she was rooted more in Catholicism, but I know that she Maybe has she a religious was. background. I know that she definitely has a religious background. That's why it comes up so much in her music. We don't have an answer. It's okay. We don't have to be. Right I don't know. Her, I, I'm trying to. Yeah, it is Catholic. She was Catholic in her background. I don't know. I thought there was a whole thing in the mid 2000s where she had converted to Judaism or something that's, of that, that nature. That seems you know, and maybe we're seeing it come out, or maybe it was just an interest in Judaism. I don't know. It's the, very confusing. In the 90s, specifically, especially at Ray of Light in particular, she was becoming more interested in like yoga and um, a lot of like spiritual aspects of different cultures. Like Eastern Eastern culture was something that she was interested in. I believe Jewish culture. She was just a lot of spirituality had become something that was uh, an interest in her. Uh, and that comes out in Ray of Light. Uh, she definitely has a lot of those kind of themes that come out in more of, I guess, like an adult kind of mature way was a, a word that was thrown around a lot towards Ray of Light. Um, so I think this is, she's always been, I think, throughout her career interested in like religious, both iconography and also just kind of like themes. I can't find anything definitive on her uh, Jewish history history yeah like that's there's lots of articles about it but nothing that is concrete of this is what like the wall street journal has the thing that says is madonna jewish important yeah. sounds like a, a, a like the the google fill-in mm. is madonna and there's just a bunch of fill-ins so be, <laughs> uh, bisexual um uh jewish many other things have you ever satanist have oh eating children oh no 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 a fan and, of Eminem. <laughs> hey, that's a good question. That might be. Uh, have do you have any recollection of ever watching her in any movie scale? I, you know, I don't think so. I looked at some of the films that she's been in. Again, like you know, obviously we mentioned League of Their Own. Um, I mean, she's I've, I've she's seen had clips of that movie. I don't know if I've ever seen the whole thing. I don't know if I have either. I um I I, I don't actually think that I have. Uh, there have been really a mixture of her having like kind of okay performances. Uh, to just totally bombing swept away is the uh the big example of that a stinker it was uh known as a stinker um i believe it was directed by guy Ritchie, who she was married to at the time and uh that was part of the problem 
But yeah, it's uh, it's got a pretty bad IMDb rating in it. it the was... later one too. That's a 2002 movie. Yeah. What, what's that? What's that rating? Hit us with three point six. Ooh, not. But good. I believe it also won some Razzies, which are the uh, opposite of the Oscars. That's correct. If you do not know this, but uh, love a good Razzie. Yes, I don't know. I she was in a, mo- a relatively like one of the more recent things she was in was the Arthur in the Invisible Children film with Freddie Highmore, mm-hmm. who was uh, a Charlie in uh, uh, Charlie in the Rock Factory, that, the one with Johnny Depp. Yes, And then Charlie. he was also in, uh, Freddie Highmore was the doctor in the uh, show about the doctor that has autism. Yes. More recently. He was and, also, I uh, believe, Bates in... Motel. Yes. That's what I was going to so say. He's been in some things. He has. Uh, but this isn't about I think him. It, was that the good doctor? That's... I think that's what it's called. I think so too. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't really think of it. I mean, Madonna's been in because she like kind of. I don't want to say she took a break, but I feel like music was a little bit of the took the back seat to her career when she was trying to become a big movie star. But I mean, she was in a lot of like interesting things, like um, the uh, Dick Tracy film, and uh, you know, Evita was a very big film at the time that that came out. I think Evita as well, if I remember correctly, was the one where she started taking vocal classes oh. and was when I think it depends on the time period. But that was right before uh, Ray of Light. She had started taking vocal lessons and that was why her voice became a little bit better compared to her early work was because she had actually taken classes on like, you know, singing thing that she does a lot of. Yeah, she hasn't really won. Most of her awards come from uh, the songs. Yeah. Not so much her performance. Right. So, but yeah, I don't know if I, I don't really have anything else really. Well, what are your, what are your kind of overall takes of Madonna? Did you come out feeling like you had a good time or you, you wish we would have just never talked about Madonna at all? I think it was worthwhile. I think uh, I liked the, like I mentioned previously, the early stuff was good. The middle stuff was kind of blah. Uh, Ray of Light and uh, some stuff from music and also confessions on the dance floor were all worth listening to. Um, but I think that she, I mean, just like based on her big hit songs is like worth discussing alone without even all the extra curricular um, controversy and, and things. But I mean, when you're like the biggest pop star of the last 40 years, you're going to have some, especially if you're purposefully trying to do it. A lot very much a, very much a, a poke the bear type. She is. Tyler? Well, you know, I don't have an issue talking about Madonna. I'm glad we talked about Madonna because of her impact on pop music, basically up until this point and for the foreseeable future to an extent, honestly. So I think that it's important to talk about her. And I think that her style in terms of her depiction of herself or the character or persona that she created or whatever you want to call it, because I'm unaware as how much is actually her and how much is something for the sake of pushing ideas on. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's interesting. And I think it's uh, something that is both like of the time and moving forward like continually something that people are are now expressing. We express ideas now in music that were not expressed so clearly prior to Madonna. So that's cool. Uh, her music, other than Ray of Light, um, um, you know, is just okay to me. I mean, I, the early stuff for her well, most well-known pop works 
not my thing. Rave Light, I think, is really a great album, an interesting album, a good pop album. Music is, I guess, more what I mean now. Now looking back on it, there are definitely some interesting parts in it, and so be it. Confessions on the Dance Floor is okay. I mean, for me, it's uh, kind of just begins to move into the ways of being being a little bit closer to standard dance music of the period. So it's kind of getting away. But I think musically, I'm not satisfied. So be it. Rave Light is really good. Everything else is to me is just kind of whatever. But in terms of her her influence, in terms of her persona, and just in terms of like a pop culture person, you know what I mean? Someone that everyone knows and has created for herself like her own thing. That's pretty cool. So worth talking about. I think for me, the big thing that I realized, um, not that I shouldn't have known this already, but I think was really solidified from listening to her this week, is just the recognition that Madonna is one of those artists who... Um, deserve all of the credit that they get. I think that the, if you go through history, sometimes you'll find names where you're like, okay, like, yeah, you're very popular. You're very mainstream, but what did you really bring to the table? And I think Madonna is one of those artists where if you look back on everything that she did from the eighties until now, I think that she very much transcended just being like a mainstream artist that was making music and was very much an influential character on a, a various large scope of things that happened within music, not just of her time period in the 80s, not just within the 90s, but even today. The person who uh, produced Confessions on a Dance Floor also produced Dua Lipa's future uh, wow. nostalgia. So, like, the things that Madonna was doing in 2005 were influenced the music 15 years later of, like, mainstream Dua Lipa. Yeah, she worked with uh, Timbaland, who was pretty big. She worked with, uh, what's the dude with the funny hat uh, of, uh, from Despicable Me, the happy guy? Oh, oh, uh, Pharrell. Pharrell. Pharrell, yeah. She's worked, I think dun, she worked, dun, dun, dun. I think she worked with N NERD at some point, maybe. I don't know. But, uh. I I found something very interesting. My last bit. Sure, hit us with it. She was an executive producer on both uh, the Agent Cody Banks and the sequel. What the, the Frankie Muniz films? She, what she was not in the movie, but she was credited as an executive producer. <laughs> Why would she have had any involvement? That money up. <laughs> Honestly, probably her biggest influence right there. That's true. Would we would have not seen so many things had it not been for that. Uh, series of films. Yeah, <laughs> Hillary Duff was in the what second a, one. Oh, she was in it. Wow, I forgot about that. Wow, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. What was the? No, never mind. I'm not gonna get into it. I think it's Amanda Bynes in my head, but it doesn't really matter. Oh, Anyways, she's good too. Big fat liar was where I'm I was sad that she head. that she's been treated. Also, Frankie Muniz. That's why. Yeah, that's what my brain was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Giamatti as well. He's a good man. He's blue. <laughs> he blew himself. <laughs> he did blew himself. If we didn't get through this episode without an Arrested Development <laughs> reference, what would we have been doing? Um, but yeah, we have fun. Yeah, we have fun here. But yeah, um, influence all over the place. That's what I think was really important. And I, again, I actually really enjoyed the music more than I had anticipated. So check mark on Madonna. Glad we did it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, we have been talking about the icon Madonna, and next week, we're going to be talking about Green Day. That's a, that's a shift from Madonna, but a shift you might be excited for. You'll have to tune in next time 
to see what's going on that one check out our website recordroundtable.com where you can find all of our social media bits if you enjoy what we do please check us out on patreon.com slash record roundtable thank you for listening and goodbye <laughs>